<laughs> I'm SF Rogers. And I am D.L. Golden. And we are the Authors Chaos, and we're so glad you're here today. Joining us is the amazing Christian Francis. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. It was a very warm day today, so I'm happy. <laughs> we Fair get enough. That. We get that. So for those of you who don't know, Christian is a... Oh my gosh, he's huge on my TikTok. TikTok Messiah. Yeah, he's a TikTok say, Messiah um, for us uh, indie authors. Indie authors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish that I wish that was actually the case. I just do a lot of videos and it bombards some people's FYPs like a lot. Uh, I, I'm new to it. I don't know what I'm doing. I just keep doing videos for the hell of it. Well, <laughs> yesterday I got on TikTok just randomly and saw that you got a community violation for a yeah, comment. Uh, uh, basically, this is not what I think. This is basically the joy of our TikTok is... Uh, the comment that was the violation was innocuous and not an insulting thing to anyone. Somebody said, there are some people out there who says that um, Game of Thrones has got a bad plot structure. To which I replied, haha, that's so stupid. And that was it. That was the violation. But what actually happened at the time is there's a popular tutor, writing tutor online, who I'm constantly disagreeing with. Don't mention it by name because I don't want people to find it. And recently... Lots of people have been getting on the bandwagon and stitching his videos saying how terrible he is. He has gone ballistic going against reporting people, but not always directly, not always directly on the videos that are done, but going into a random comment that has nothing to do with him and reporting it and then getting some of his followers to do it as well. So TikTok have a lot of reports against one particular thing. So when you say, oh, I appeal this, they say, no, you're getting a strike against your account now. Now, of course, this is all alleged. But that, that's my latest thing. So that's fun. <laughs> now, Christian, when I first followed you, you were doing, you were writing the anti-rules. Yes. Book. And yeah. I vividly remember that because I was just starting out writing, had just gotten like my oomph to get on book talk and like write my book. And I was mm -hmm. running into all of these people who were like, if you do this, your book's not good. Or if you do that, your book's not good. And then I ran into you and you were like, da, 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 da. That's a shit rule. And I was like, I'm going to follow him. <laughs> <laughs> I had no intention of doing any of that. I first went on TikTok doing, here's 10 horror films you haven't seen. Like, like an absolute twat. I really did. Um, and, uh, but then I started getting all my FYP started getting really flooded with all of these writing tutors. Just like, you're an amateur. If you do this, your writing's bad if you do this you'll never be successful and published if you do this and every single one of their rules was what i have experienced as being a lie basically because i used to be back in the day i did i was a writing tutor at university and i quit because they were making me tell lies they were saying here's your curriculum you tell this i'm like oh no so i basically just started doing random videos of just picking out Random ones like show, don't tell, dialogue tags, all these things. And basically giving the counter argument because I realized there was no one really out there doing that. And then people started reacting to it. And like, I've had so many people contact me, which surprises me saying, thank you. This has actually stopped me quitting. I'm like, well, one, who am I to listen to? You shouldn't listen to me. I'm just nobody, you know, but there needed to be a voice out there saying that. And then I realized that all the people on TikTok were they have my videos so they can see all what I say. But the people like say on Amazon, when they're looking for a how to write book, they don't. So all I did was I just wrote a quick summation of the anti, what I call the anti rules. 
and which were all the videos I did. And it's just aimed at people who aren't on TikTok. And I didn't want people on TikTok to buy the book because it was like, this is not for you. This is for them. You've got my videos for free, but some people don't do TikTok. So I priced it so I don't earn anything from it, but they can have it and maybe it will help one person. Right. So, but occasionally I keep getting like, still getting people contact me saying, can you do a video on this? I was like, I've gone past that now, but okay. (laughs) Well, I know. So like, I know for me, again, it was nice to have like that breath of fresh air of like, if you've seen this, like just throw that out, write what you want to write. Like it, Hmm. you super helped me in my baby stages where I was like, guys, my writing probably super sucks. And then then you come along, you're like, your writing probably doesn't suck. And I was like, okay, I'll believe it. At the end of the day, the writing, like everyone goes on about this thing about the writing has to be of a certain standard. And it's not because nobody can judge your standard apart from you and the person reading your book. No one else has a right to judge it. And if the writing to you is of the standard that is 100% you and you cannot do better than that, then that's that's fine. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's slightly different to how others say it, or you might use a turn of phrase that some people might go, oh, I don't understand. But if you understand it, that's all that matters because books aren't here to hold your hand and be of the same level and be like, so you open to page 50, you know that's going to be the end of act one. Like there's type there, you you need to have difference. You need to have sus- like some surprise. I mean, I love picking up an indie book and it's say being in a, being phrased how is completely like jarring, for instance. Like if it's difficult to try and figure out, but that's where the joy of it lies. Cause then as soon as you're into it, you're completely in somebody else's world, the way they want to tell it, not how a publisher tells you how to tell it. And it makes the story more involving. So that's, that's me talking a lot on that. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like we love that you're passionate about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it stood out to me and I've been following you for quite, quite a while. Um, but it stood out to me when you made a video not too long ago that was saying people who are calling these indie authors aspiring authors. That's so idiotic. And I'm like, that is so refreshing. I do. I aspire to be a better writer. I aspire to find that new person who will like one of my books. I aspire to come on a podcast with you guys and speak to you and make a connection with someone who I didn't haven't spoken to for a long period of time before. So I aspire for a lot of things. And the people, the fact that people are using that word as an insult, we all aspire to be better. And if you don't aspire, that means you're a piece of shit and I don't want to speak to you. Are they saying that all these published people don't aspire to anything? What do they do? Just carry on like a robot. And I just, I hate people looking down on anyone who creates an art. Like you might not like it. It might not be up to your standard, but as I said in my video, I think the Mona Lisa is shit. Doesn't mean it is. That's just my opinion. I think it's a tiny little boring painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one thing that Daniel and I, and we talk about it a lot is like supporting each other. Right. So like Hmm. building, building community and having support for each other. So when you like came out with my indie bookshelf and you were like, Hey, Hmm. If you have a book, come put it on here. If you have a bookish podcast, like come put it on here. I messaged Daniel mm. the day you were like, hey, there's a podcast section. And I was like, I'm putting our podcast on here. Like I'm <laughs> putting us on there. Like we're doing it. But and people have followed us people because have followed of us that be- website. Because of the website. Like they oh, that's found great. it on my indie book. I mean, it's, so 
it's it's still in its opening stages and i i'm not really aiming it towards anyone apart from the content fillers at the moment so the authors the podcasters anyone to actually fill the site up before it gets actually pushed out to the readers because they're because i i didn't want a load of like me to advertise it and people come in and then then there's mostly empty pages i want it to be like such a big resource that when people come in it's kind of overwhelming but it's sectioned to such a degree that they could keep using it and keep coming back keep finding new things i mean the fact that we've got somebody in the directory who's offering to build a website for free for people just because they want experience and some you know some they're building a hub so you can have an app and a a website they'll do it limited for free because they want uh, more development time they want to learn how to do it a bit better but they're doing it for free that's that's invaluable those kind of things and there's like on the promotions page uh there's loads of people doing giveaways like here's a free book just write to this address join this mailing list and get this there's lots of things you can do to i think for readers and authors that is kind of invaluable because it's nowhere else or if it is somewhere else it's piecemeal so if you want arc reading you go to netgalley you go to book sirens you go to Booksprout. Or you find the one author online who are offering it personally. But there's not really a place for indie authors where it goes, here they all are. There you go. Contact the author right there. There's a link. And right. it's important to not get anything from it. As in like, um, I have a pet hate and it's affiliate links. When people say this is a free site and then they say, oh, I don't get anything from it. But then you look at the link and it's an affiliate link and they're getting something. They say, oh, you, you can't put Amazon short URLs in. You have to put long URLs. And that's because they put an affiliate link on the end without telling anyone. Fair enough if you tell people from the outset. But there's all these sites that do things that are like, add your links for free. And it's literally, they're doing it just for passive income, not because they're looking to build you up and not because they're looking to help. Um, and I'm, I mean, I, I would love to make a living doing my indie bookshelf. Of course I would. But there's more important things, especially now, because we don't have the avenues that everyone else does. Like, if we have our TikTok accounts cancelled, that cuts off our voice for a lot of things. Because all the other social media platforms, and apart from YouTube, but that's a bit pointless for trying to do the same kind of videos, you haven't got a voice. You've only got text, and it's not the same. Yep. So. Yeah, it's, I completely agree. It's The reason SF and I created the Author's Chaos in the first place was to give people a voice outside of the TikTok realm to promote their stuff, to Hmm. meet people that they, uh, to meet other authors that they hadn't already had a chance to meet. Because as an indie author, it's so hard to find a community just without using social media. It's so hard Hmm. to find a community outside of the one that you might become big on. And I think it's just really important that we build community. And as indie authors, we support one another in trying to make the community a better place and a more accessible place for For everyone. For sure. Mm. Um, Actually, that's that's one major part for my indie bookshelf is uh, it's there for the from the author's side of things. It's there because I want like authors are solitary creatures most of the time and aren't, aren't great socially. That's why we spend most of our time writing. And this way, they don't have to interact. They don't have to speak to anyone to do it. They don't have to go onto TikTok and build an audience. If they're looking to find anything, someone who does developmental editing, they have no idea. They can go on the site, select it, and it'll give them an option. And it will. So people don't have to have a a public voice. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's it's. I think it was important for that because when I before I went on TikTok, I was. uh, 
social pariah in the sense that I didn't like it. I don't like social media. I don't like Facebook. I don't like Twitter or whatever they want to call it now. And TikTok's the only one I kind of stayed with. And I think it's because I could just talk randomly at people and don't yep. have to make it 120 characters, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of the kind of the same thought, I think, with yeah. TikTok and me. I have Instagram, I have Facebook and all that, but I just, I can't bring myself to do all those things at once. TikTok's so short form and easy. Um, just do it. Just upload do it. it. Just right? upload it. <laughs> and I feel like we've had a lot easier time finding a community of people, finding you, finding mm. in our Phoenix, finding um, T.L. Combs. Combs, all these people that are just like, hey, we're authors too. We know how hard it is. We want to talk and help you to get better at this. That is so cool. Mm. Oh, yeah. Something I never thought we would have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. We we definitely want it. We, we like the community sense of what you're doing with my indie bookshelf and we're we're eternally grateful for you stepping out and doing that well and <laughs> just popping onto the homepage today i checked it this morning and four five six of those books that popped up on the list for me just right away are people that hmm. we've talked to that we've talked to tiktok mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like and there's, there's over a thousand authors on there yeah there's over a thousand authors already in one one thousand seven hundred books so the fact that they're, that you recognize someone on the first page when it's random in that means that your the community you've built is a lot bigger than you think it is. Uh-huh. Like sure. what you've built right. with the author's chaos and like your your presence on TikTok, the community you've built is huge mm-hmm. for all of us. Our communities are so much bigger. We always think, oh no, my FYP only has the same couple of people on it, mm-hmm. but it isn't. You sort of get lost in the the loud voices. But then you see a note, you're like, I've done it as well. I've gone onto the main site and I've seen a book and I've looked at a name and went, oh, wait, that's their book. Because mm-hmm. not everyone does every video publicizing what they've written. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, I, we are huge fans of my indie bookshelf. I, I don't think you get enough credit for what you've done for but, everybody through that. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're just going to keep singing the praises. For oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Um, but as a fan of your writing, I have to say, like, let's talk, let's talk about everyday monsters because I've been mm-hmm. listening to that on audiobook and I just want to hear you gush about everyday monsters because it's really good. <laughs> right. Okay. Fine. Uh, basically everyday monsters is, and I'm, I'll swear at this. It's my fuck you to everyone because uh, to all the writing rules. Cause I, when I was like, all my stories before have been like short stories or they've just been a few chapters here and there. And I hadn't really done a, a, a concise novel. And I was, I did the thing that everyone does when they look at that. This is my first full length one. I'll look online and see if there's any rules I must follow. Like, like that's a thing. Like for anyone out there, don't ever look up any rules until Unless there's a particular question you have. If it's a particular question, look it up and then judge the answer for yourself. But I stupidly looked at it. And it was that the one that really annoyed me was somebody saying the main character has to do something that forwards the plot in every single chapter. And I just went, well, no. And I wrote an entire book where the main character does nothing except stand there and witnesses what's going on. He does nothing. And that's the the whole point of him is to show that you can write a story that's full of like imagination and wild stuff going on. And the main characters seem like they're doing things, but in reality, they're not because each of us in life, I would say, 
what, probably 1% of us actually do things. The majority of the rest of us, our stories as we go through life, we just witness them. Like there's only a few parts of your life where you're physically doing something that changes your world. Like, so like, you know, say giving birth or something that would, that that physically changes your world. But most people, they'll go through doing nothing and they'll just witness things going on. They'll go do the rudimentary things, go to work, go to this place, go to that place, speak to that person. But it just life happens. And that's what the whole point of Everyday Monsters was. And that's why also it's Everyday Monsters. It's not just about, uh, you know, we we are the monsters, like all the main characters are monsters. There's no humans in the book apart from in reference. Yep. And like I, I have got a few people DNFing it because I made a concerted effort to make it because I was thinking this is my horror book. Um, and I had no idea it was actually dark fantasy. I didn't know the difference back then. And it is 100% dark fantasy and not horror. It's just got horror tendencies like it's quite violent. I admit that. And I thought personally that the violence was needed in order to set you up for the end, because as it goes on, there are some shocking things that happen. And I thought that if that just came out of left field, it might be too jarring for people. But from the outset, I mean, my whole my tagline for that book that I never actually used was it all started with a decapitation because that's exactly really how it starts. But I wanted to but I've had a few people write to me saying I couldn't finish it after that because it was actually quite graphic. And it was like. The guy was a zombie and he remains alive. Like he's still in the book. I listened to that part because I have it on audiobook, right? And I was like, I want to yeah. know what's going, like what the heck is going on right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically, it's, it's basically just like, it's, it's a kid. It's basically a kid's story in adult clothes. Yeah. Because it's about monsters. It's about like the world changing. I mean, everyone, like everyone who does fantasy, horror or sci-fi, they, their first story is always the world changing, like always, like they can't, because your mind just goes to the nth degree and nobody does a sci-fi fantasy or horror book where it's all self-contained and small and nothing much happens. It's always like galactic conquest and like, you know, reality is shifting and it's all these huge ideas. And uh, when I was actually teaching, I was told to tell people not to do that. And I was like, no, I don't know. So basically, yeah, as I said, Everyday Monsters is my fuck you to everything that I was hearing and me wanting to tell the story how I wanted to tell it. Because I think every single one of us who writes, we are those people around a campfire telling people verbally our stories. And it doesn't, it's not about just the story. It's about how you tell it. And that's as important as the plot. Oh, like the sure. words you choose are more important than like, nobody. I don't care about a character's arc. I don't care. Really, I don't. It's not about that. I care about the words that you create for me to hear, to change my imagination, to picture something. If everyone said the same thing, I'd probably stop reading. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where Everyday Monsters came from. <laughs> Ooh, it's, it's such good. It's such a good thought um, to say, yeah, we're all people around a campfire. It's, it's very human to just say mm. different people tell stories in different ways. And if I wanted to read a story by J.R.R. Tolkien, I would read a story by J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, yeah. I'm going to go and around. And you know what and, to expect. Yeah, exactly. And you have to you have to be free enough to write what you want to write. And I think that's the beauty of indie publishing yeah. in general. Oh, for sure. Hmm. Um, I, I just, I love that mentality. That's yes, fantastic. I, but yeah. that's why it's so funny when you, when you look at the 
traditional publishers and the way they mold their authors to basically be the same author. Like they homogenize the voice down to such a degree that apart from the stories they're telling, you could probably take 90% of those authors and read a a chapter of each side by side and they would sound the same. There would be no individuality. But then when a traditional publisher picks up a brave new voice, a new author who has actually got something amazing to say and they go, oh my God, that's amazing. You'll see over the next few books, their language and their storytelling gets more and more bland. And that's because they're having the editors telling them, you have to do this, you have to do this. Because at the end of the day, and this isn't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because traditional publishers have a brand. They want their books to be easy. They don't want it to be challenging. They want to be able to say, here's a book, you know what to expect. It's just the story that's different. And that's what they want. And I get that. And that's why I'm, I always am shocked when somebody says all they want to be is traditionally published. It's like, oh, really? Okay. I mean, good. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, keep so my creative license. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. um, well, to be honest, uh, none of, I mean, I, everyone goes, oh yeah, but if, if you were offered like a, a million dollars, uh, you would be traditionally published. And they're going, no, not if it meant giving up my books. Uh, I, I would love to have a million dollars, obviously, but not if it meant giving up my art or the license. Um, I, as I said, I've said before, I would work for like, uh, what's it called? Oh God, I can't remember. Uh, it's basically, uh, I would work like on spec. If somebody said, you get this much to write this and we keep the rights. If I'll do that, that's fine because you're basically just doing job in writing. That's not a problem. But something like Everyday Monsters, I know traditional publishers would hate because it doesn't follow anything. And I wouldn't want them to get it because if they took that, say, let's say they did buy that. When they went to the next book and I said, I've got the next one and I think it's better and it's called Incubus the Descent. They would read that and say, under no circumstances can this be published because it's wilder, it's weirder. And it's really only linked by the epilogue at the end when you realize what the epilogue means and how it links to the first one. And it changes the entire book or one character in the book of who they are and how you see them. Um, And I know that they wouldn't like that. They would say, no, 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 you need to follow on from the end and you need to do it this way. Maybe in about five books time, you can do a prequel or something. Like that's why I'm quite astounded that George R.R. Martin has managed to do as much as he has like even back at the before Game of Thrones was a TV show, but I mean he, when he was he, he started editing, he was like editing collections with Ramsey Campbell, Clive Barker, and all that. Um, and then he started writing Game of Thrones, and he was still getting published, even though his stories were absolutely mad. Like really, for fantasy, all the fantasy readers were going, "I, I, I don't <laughs> understand how this is." But that's what I liked. I liked that it was different. It was brave. It was something new. But now everyone copies it and all the fantasy, all the traditional fantasy publishers try and get everyone to emulate that and say, right, you've got to kill a major character in this book now. And it's like, no. Well, I will, but no, I'm not going to do it just because you said so. <laughs> I want to kill him in my own time. Thanks. <laughs> yes. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a complete bastard for killing my characters. I just can't help it. I mean, I, I did the, the YA book, The Deadwoods. Oh, God. I just, I, I actually killed someone without realizing. I was writing it and I was kind of going, ah, oh, that's not right. That's oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I've just killed them. Oh, dear. I wasn't planning to. And it got to the point where it was like, I've killed them. Oh, and I was like, right. And then I had to go back and go, how did I just kill them? And I went, 
wait, they tripped and fell down a hill and killed themselves. <laughs> literally nothing to do with the plot. They just literally trip halfway down and kill themselves. Um, afterwards, I had to retcon a point to it because they're going to be in the sequel and they're the main point of the sequel. But I literally was writing and had them run towards to battle the monster in the last scene and literally falls, falls down a hill and dies. <laughs> And and it's a child, so it's even funnier. I was just like, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I, I actually shocked myself, and I was going to change it, but then I thought, this is going to actually shock people when they read it. Yes. They are not going to expect it, and they might be a little bit let down and go, that's not in line with the story. But because it's so close to the end, the I do have a bit at the end that says that character is going to return in the next book. So it kind of makes up for the fact that I just accidentally killed them. I unalived. Oh, wait. Do I have to say unalived? No, you're not fine. in here. You're okay. No. Oh, that's up. So, yeah, we just got I just realized I said it a lot. <laughs> no, uh, I, I find that so funny because I, I love leaving a reader with a death scene that they were not, they didn't see coming. I love the the heart rip that you know you're going to give right there. Um, mm. It's cathartic, and Sarah hates it. She can't like she's like I'm so attached to my characters. I'm like yeah, but if they die, it's even better. He like and the good thing like, is, <laughs> go ahead. But think about it this way, Sarah. What genre do you write in? High fantasy. Okay, high fantasy. No one is dead. You can do whatever you want yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not contemporary real life in fact even in them you can bring people back you can wreck yep. on you can do anything but making them die when people don't realize is probably one of the most powerful things you do especially to a character that is you know people are invested in and you right. can bring them back you can change the narrative but right. that, I've, i mean I, I i am definitely of the george R. R. martin school of like right here we go which one's going today um <laughs> I so my characters hate me. <laughs> so Daniel has one character that I super loved that I'm not even going to talk about it. But I literally called him and I was like, "What the hell did you just do to me? Like, what is happening?" But then, like two weeks later, I had to write a fight scene and I called him and I was like, "I, I get it. Yep, I get it. Because sometimes it's needed because." I had two deaths that I had to write in quick succession and they are, mm. they're significant <laughs> and writing them was like, I know I mm. made you to die, but why does it have to be like this? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, that's one thing that when I, uh, when I sort of uh, was teaching and I went against the rules and taught what I wanted to, one of my major things was, um, right, pick any book, any story, anything anything that you love. And I want you to write the first page of it is one scene or whatever from whatever that is. So people can choose whatever they want. Um, so let's say Titanic, mm -hmm. for instance. And let's say they're writing the bit where uh, Jack and Rose are at the end and she's floating on the door being a dick, not letting him get on and saying, no, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die or whatever happens. I don't know. Um, let's say that. And I say, right, you stop it there. Now what you're going to write is you're going to do the exact opposite from what's in that scene and then carry on. So if one person dies, no, you're going to make the other person die. And then you're going to write the rest, another few, like the rest of the chapter, which is what's happening after the fact. Because when you, as a writer, when you do something you don't want to do or you do not think you're going to do and you completely subvert it, 
it brings out some of the most creative things possible. Oh, it makes sure. what you actually, it forces your brain to connect like strands that you never thought existed. Um, like this is the uh, Incubus, the Descent. When I was saying at the end, the epilogue brings it all back in. Incubus, the Descent was not its sequel. It was not a sequel until I wrote the epilogue. Until I got to the end of uh, the last chapter and it didn't, wasn't supposed to have an epilogue. And I got to it and I just went and my brain suddenly switched and realized what I had actually done was make a strand of a character that wasn't the character I thought it was. And I was actually writing another character. And I was like, oh, my God, that's literally how that works. Because my brain, I was I was constantly doing the opposite of what I thought I should do. And that's how I write my, most of my books. If I'm there saying, right, well, this character is in peril here. So I'll get them to break free on the next chapter. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to kill them or I'm going to uh, make it worse, or just I'm going to go to another part of the story and leave them there for a while, just in torment. Because uh, my whole thing is like, I, I mean, I, I get that people love, there are plotters out there and God bless them. I don't know how you do it. You're amazing. Uh, I cannot do that at <laughs> all. So I think that I, I'm of the whole school of thought of like challenge the pants, the brain and make you do like do something you don't want to do. Even if you don't use that chapter, doing something that's a 180 on what you think is going to happen means that the people reading it are also going to be surprised because your writing will actually make it seem like the say like it's all the th one story that was always intended but it, that's just the trick if you make it so you're surprised they are going to be surprised and that's 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 my basic my ethos of teaching is to try and get your brain to realize that your stories should be amazing to you like yeah yeah <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So we would normally ask, what is your best piece of writing advice? But did you just give it to us? That is, that is, I love it. It's either, it's either that, or if you do go on a writing course, listen to a writing tutor, follow a writing tutor, do, if, if you do any of that, imagine that they are only saying that to get money, whether they are or not, just so you can actually be critical in your head and realize like, if you hear it, don't take it at face value, no matter who they are. I don't care if they're Stephen King. His on-writing book, I think, is brilliant, but it is full of misinformation and actual terrible advice for new authors. Um, so just second-guess everything, because that will help you more. If somebody says, never do this, you sit there and go, yeah, but why? And the, the why should not be because no one else does that, or it's better that way. That's not a reason. Like if they said, oh, because it actually, that it makes the sentence not make sense to people because it makes it not English anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's a, don't spell a word wrong. Don't put axe, put ask. You know, just because you say it, put it because it will be misleading. That kind of rule. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm full of tips. <laughs> you, you really are a wellspring of knowledge when it comes to mm -hmm. this stuff. And talking to you is uh, super fun. <laughs> well i just spent so long like I, I my my the publishing world experience is long and annoying because i got to see the bad side of publishing i got not because i was representing people or work ghostwriting and you get to see that like publishers that like, trad publishers mostly treat their authors with contempt and only as cash cows and that's it they don't care about the books they don't care about anything they pretend to care about the books until it gets to the point where it might be detrimental to them to say, have to wait an extra week past their deadline. And then it's 
all gloves off. You're bad people. You're our, you're our writer. You do what we say. Um, which bothers me. And a lot of indie uh, publishers do that as well. They like, they own, they're only in it for the money. I mean, I would say the majority of indie publishers are amazing. They're great. And they are there because they are readers who have a passion and have had the wherewithal enough to build something. But there are so many out there that are just, they're going, right, we're just going to publish anything. And as soon as, if it doesn't sell, we're just going to like cancel it. Done. Don't care. And it's like, oh. They just obviously, they <laughs> obviously don't have the love for your story that you have for your story. Yeah. You pour so much. That's why I think it's self. Yeah, because self-publishing, I think I think self-publishing um, and is kind of the way to go if you're the kind of person that believes there's a beauty to writing. Because if there is, if you start thinking, if you're doing it just for, say, writer for hire, kind of, I'm writing to market, then it doesn't matter who publishes your stuff because you don't care what you're doing. You're just doing it for an, another result. You're not doing it because of the art involved. You're doing it because it can make you money. And that's all that, very valid reasons to do it. People want to write to market. Good on you. Again, I can't do it personally. I'm maybe just a bit jealous they can. Um, but I, I just think that you're... It's, it's, it's the same as somebody saying, um, I'm going to paint a load of paintings, then just like ship it off to Amazon to sell. And it's like, uh, no, no, yeah, no. Uh, control it, control it yourself. Control your art until somebody is there who believes in you well enough and can represent you well enough. So if you do want to get a publisher, if you do want to get an agent, make sure they love what you do. Not that they're just in it because you tick a few boxes. Brilliant. And being a and, and being a middle aged white man, I tick no boxes. A middle aged white man who writes horror as well. I mean, that is I'm I'm a dime a dozen. It's great when you see when you go online and then look up say uh, horror authors, and the majority of them are just bearded white men. And it's like, oh, white men. <laughs> I've never been so ashamed. I mean, I, I I'm the whitest Arab on the face of the planet. Um, so I I I like to class myself as just I look like a white man. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's just, fat. I can't believe it. it's like when you look at graphic designers, all of them are bald with a beard. Yeah, I'm one in the daytime. So that's a, <laughs> every time they hire a new graphic designer in uh, work, it's like, you're bald and you've got a beard. <laughs> all right. That's, okay. the, that's the look we're going for. <laughs> Oh God, Christian, you've been a blast <laughs> to talk to. This was awesome. We're going to have to do it yeah. again. I mean, there's just so many yeah, things I'm, that... We're not going to be able to squeeze in. No, not in the 30-minute episode. <laughs> if we wanted to do an episode like we did with Perky, where it was an hour and a half long, I mean... Yeah, we're going to have to schedule again. You're just, you've just got so much to get. And you've well, got I'm happy to talk to at any time. Well, right? I, I mean, invite me back whenever you want. I will definitely be here to talk any old crap you want to. It doesn't have to be about me either. It can be about anything. Next time, we'll talk about you. I'll interview <laughs> you next time. Well, you have right, made two friends in the Midwest yes. of in North America. In the Midwest America, of North America. Like, you awesome. Got, you got friends here, so. Well, I, thank you so much for yeah. inviting me on here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we'll do the sign. Oh, wait. Where where can people <laughs> find me? Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I'm on my well, myindiebookshelf.com if you're an author looking to list your book for free or you're a reader looking to find a new indie book uh, or now I've got to remember my TikTok address. Uh, I think it's Christian Francis author. I think so. But yeah. I have no idea. Kind of just look up my name. If you look up Christian Francis, you'll find a lot of videos of a bald headed bearded man talking at you. That's <laughs> me. You can follow me there. <laughs> yes. 
and we'll we'll ask for your links and stuff through the email so we can link all that in the description. So no, if you got it sure. wrong, we'll just link it down there. It's fine. Um, so I have been DL Golden. Are you book. have been or you are? I am. My book uh, Origins is on Amazon for purchase for anyone who is looking for it. I'm SF Rogers. I don't have a book yet. It's coming. I promise. I'm working on covers. Story is going to be there. It's gonna. It's gonna be good. But this has been the Elder's <laughs> Chaos, and we're so glad you joined us so much.